Hey everyone, welcome back to another broadcast of In the Trenches. I'm your host, Tom Morkis, and today I sit down with Roosh Valizadeh otherwise known as Roosh V. Today's conversation needs a little bit more of a backstory than I typically give on the intros, but I think it's important here to set the stage for the conversation you're about to hear. So I brought Roosh V on In the Trenches because recently his number one bestseller, Game, was removed and banned by Amazon, along with eight other books of his. No reason was given by Amazon to Roosh of why his books were removed and banned. He reached out to contact them and got no response back. All Amazon said was that it violated their terms of service. But what's important to note here is that his new book game had been live for a few days. It already generated thousands of pre-orders, was in the top thousand on Amazon's bookstore. And his eight other books had been selling for months or years at this point. But one day, Amazon decided to remove them all from their platform. And subsequently, his books were removed from many of the other major platforms out there that do sell books, things like Kobo, even though that's a much smaller platform than Amazon, probably like one-tenth the size or one-one-hundredth the size, really. So in the course of a week, Roosh had many of his books, many of his income-producing assets removed from these platforms. And so that's why I brought him on here today, to talk about what it's like as a content creator, somebody who's writing and publishing books or producing anything online as an independent artist, independent creator, and what it's like to be deplatformed by a big institution. So if you're publishing on Amazon, what happens if Amazon just takes away all your books and bans your books or blocks you? What happens if YouTube kicks you off their platform? What happens if you built your business on these platforms? Well, we go into that in much more detail today, and it's a really interesting conversation. I can't think of a topic that's more pertinent to anybody who's doing business online than this subject because we're starting to see this kind of deplatforming happening uh, more and more. And you might think that it's on the fringes, that it's on the extreme ends of things, but it's not really the case. More and more people are being removed from these massive platforms that own, that are complete monopolies. And when that happens, if you're a content creator, if you're a business owner, that can wipe you out. That can just destroy your business. It can destroy your writing career, destroy your self-publishing career, whatever you're doing. And it also makes it really hard for anybody to say things that might be on the fringe or anyone who's going to share any sort of interesting or unique idea. Because the nature of unique and interesting ideas is that they're not common, they're not the usual, they're not the standard, and that means they have the ability to offend. So today's conversation is about what you can do as a business owner, professional, content creator, somebody who's writing or publishing or building a business online, what you should think about in terms of protecting yourself and your business so it's insulated from a platform deplatforming you. I think this is particularly important because nobody is talking about this right now. It's as if all the deplatforming that's happening, people are assuming that it's happening at the fringes, at the extreme fringes, the far left or far right, these extremists, and they're the people who are being removed from these platforms. But that's not always the case at all. More and more people who are, are being removed from these platforms for expressing unpopular opinions. And that's a scary proposition. It's a, it's, it's a really scary proposition for anybody who's doing any kind of online content creation. Because not only does it mean that whatever you're building right now could go away tomorrow, if you are building everything solely on these platforms. But it also will deter other people from contributing and trying to test out new things and share new ideas. And I can't think of a worse fate for the internet than the suppression of free thinkers who are bringing creative ideas to the forefront because we do need those ideas. 
Okay, so I know you're wondering, Tom, why this elongated intro? Well, it's because Roosh is a bit of a controversial character. I didn't actually know who he was until maybe a week ago when I first saw this headline in the news that he had been banned and his books had been removed from Amazon. But it turns out he's been in the limelight for many years, uh, and a lot of it has been negative attention. And we talk about that a little bit in today's conversation. And I want you to just judge it for yourself. So this is no endorsement of any ideas. Our conversation is about this idea of being deplatformed, and we do talk about free speech and some other ideas that I think are pertinent. But fundamentally, what I wanted to do is bring this to your attention because how do you protect yourself from being deplatformed and if it happens in the future? And sure enough, if you're doing anything with any kind of fringe ideas, you may be next. And so I think that's an important conversation to have, especially because nobody is really having this conversation. So it makes me a little nervous to publish this episode because I know there's some negative celebrity associated with Roosh's name, and yet I feel that this topic is so important that it needs to be shared and there needs to be a legitimate conversation around it. So I'm going to leave it at that, and I'll let you judge for yourself. If you have any feedback, just shoot me an email. It's just tom at tommorcus.com, and I'd love to hear from you. Other than that, let's get to today's conversation. So Roosh, today we're going to talk about your books being banned from Amazon. But before we get to that, can you give us a little bit of your background and how you got started writing and self-publishing and what led you to what you're doing today? Sure. I was born in Washington, D.C. And then after I graduated from the University of Maryland back in 2001, I started just a personal blog to discuss what it's like to go out in D.C., the video games I was playing, some questions about cars even. And then one of the problems I had was dating. In college, I kept getting put in the friend zone. I wasn't very naturally good with meeting women, going on dates. So this is a problem that I wanted to solve. I uh, found some pickup artist content on Usenet back then. And I started to read it. I started to apply it when I would go out. And then I would share my, my stories, things I would learn on my website. And then as the years went on, I started to develop a following of men who also had some problems dating, connecting with the opposite sex. And six years later, I wrote my first book called Bang about how to meet women and date. And so really a personal problem I had, it evolved into a business. And I think that's probably how it starts for a lot of people who are in the web business too. And it just kind of took over from there. It snowballed when Neil Strauss wrote the game uh, back in, I think it was 2005, my niche, I was at the forefront of a niche that was at the time hot. So I developed a name for myself. I put out a lot of other books. And this is how I basically got started, where my personal life, it intersected with my ability to make money. Because at the time when I started in 2001, I uh, graduated with a degree in microbiology. I went to work for some pharmaceutical companies in the Washington, D.C. area. I did that for six years, but making money on the internet was way more enjoyable. I liked being my own boss. So I would say that's how I got, got started. Okay, so tell us, what transpired over the last few weeks that led to your books being banned on Amazon? Sure. So for the longest time since I started to self-publish my books, I would use Amazon subsidiary CreateSpace. And then Kindle, I started using Kindle, I think it was a year or two after I released my first book in 2002. So really the common 
a launch pattern I would do is when a book was ready to go, I would put it on Amazon through CreateSpace and Kindle. And then I also would have a web store too, where I would accept PayPal for people who wanted to download the PDF file directly. So this was just the common pattern. And for my newest book game, I just released it about a week ago. I did the same same thing. I put it on Kindle, put it on paperback. I also had the audiobook this time, so I used Amazon Audible. And then on my web store, I offered the PDF and the MP3 of the audiobook. But what happened was as my book game was climbing the climbing the charts, it hit a peak of 698, which I think for a self-published book without any media help is pretty dang good. Once it hit, once it crossed the top 1,000, that's when the problem started to come in. First, Amazon banned eight of my other books. And these were books that didn't sell that much, maybe just a few copies every month. So I wasn't concerned that I would lose money from those books. But I know that once anyone, any company starts this banning rampage, it would keep on going. So then they after three days that game was out, they banned that too. So I got that email on Monday when it was still doing well. It was ranked 1,500. And I mean, I was selling a lot of books, but uh, you know, so they didn't care that it was doing well. And they sent me a very vague email just saying that I broke the content guidelines that had either something to do with the cover art or the interior. Well, the interior, this is a 142,000 word book. I spent two years working on it, 400 pages. What specifically, Amazon? I tried calling them, emailing me, I mean, emailing them, and they wouldn't give me a clear answer. They refused. So then after that, what can I do? But people were still asking me, hey, Roosh, why can't I buy your book on Amazon? I saw the product just the other day. Now there's a 404 page. So I had to publicize it. And then that's when it hit, hit the news after that. So I'm looking at your Twitter right now, and I see you're sharing some pictures. And one of the pictures is of the cover of the book. You're actually selling the banned book on your own platform, which I think is pretty funny. It says banned book for sale here. And the cover is black and white with a man and a woman sitting under a tree. So it doesn't seem like the cover is the reason that you're not allowed to sell a book. I doubt it. You know, because so one thing I'm thinking, okay, yes, there, it, you know, if you write a dating book, there is going to be some sexual content. You know, I have had the other books that I have banned were they had some memoir type stories of me dating. There is sexual content there. But the thing is, Amazon sells so many other books that have way more sexual content, more graphic content that feature rape and all types of bad things, violence. So I don't believe them when they say that it was just the content. I think maybe things I did offline, maybe things I had on my blog, was this some kind of political act? You know, you don't know because they won't tell you. But I'll just say that a lot of my fans, they wrote to Jeff Bezos himself. They called in the support line and they still won't budge. So whatever the case is, and again, they won't tell me so I can just guess. Once they banned me, that was it. I had no right to recourse appeal. So I just have to kind of take it. It's, it's wild to me. And so I kind of want to get into that on maybe the business side of things, but maybe before we do or as we do, like I'm thinking to myself, just to put this in context. So this is your new book. You got up to the top thousand in Amazon, 600 something. And it's like, yeah, that is remarkable for self-published for sure, man. That's, that's no small feat. So it was genuine interest. People were, there's real buyers. 
you know, there's organic sales happening. Um, did it, did it actually get released before they, they killed it? And did you get the sales or did they, what, what happened there? So what, so what they're doing, they're going to pay me for all the sales I made before that, because unless they're going to refund all the customers who already have the paperback books in their uh, hands. So the good part is at least I make the sales that I got before the banning actually happened. And okay, this is so strange, but they also banned other, other books of yours, right? Yeah. So they banned eight other books. Um, most of these books were about dating in foreign countries such as Poland, Ukraine, and so on. So it was, there seems to be a, a theme that yes, these books had some dating content, but again, Amazon publishes a lot of other books with even worse content. I mean, they have some books that tell you how you can find a prostitute in this country or that country. They allow those books. It's just, it's so, it's so bizarre. It's fascinating because obviously you're not the first person to have experienced it, but I think very quickly you become a very high profile case of this because I, and we've seen censorship now happening across the board, across multiple platforms. I've been saying that for like the last like five years. I knew it was, it's a matter of time and it's not like, it's not original thinking, right? It's like, I think if you just pay attention, you just look at it. It's like this kind of stuff is going to happen. Not necessarily what just happened to you, but I think that's actually like what happened to you is it's actually such an extreme and egregious example of it because these were products that have been out there. People have been buying. Obviously, some portion of them have been getting value out of it. It doesn't matter if people, some people don't like a book. It's not a reason to ban a book. Um, and, and yet this is happening in our, our modern day and age. You know, and one thing, a lot of the books that they banned, a lot of them were on sale on Amazon for five years. So for five years, these books didn't break Amazon's content guidelines. And then suddenly I release a new book that's getting a lot of traction, that's doing well, and then the bans come. And a lot of people have been sending me various ideas and theories on why. They say, it's because, Roosh, you're trying to help men become stronger, more masculine, and so on. That could be true or not, but the whatever the reason is, it actually happens. So a lot of people who publish their own books have to understand that, yeah, maybe they won't get you today, but now they have... A, a system in place where they can ban people without telling them why and just basically vaporize whatever reviews they've built up, whatever algorithm, algorithmic you know, boost they have on their platform and just take it out completely. And that should scare a lot of people because I know maybe a lot of your listeners don't sell content as spicy as mine. Well, back in 2007, when I released a dating book, that wasn't spicy either. But as the culture changes, what they allow today, what you think allows you to think, I'm safe today. They're not going to come after me. I'm not like Roosh. Well, in a couple years, you don't know. Yeah, it's wild. I guess it's the question is, is like, what can you do about it? I guess, broadly speaking and individually. And I guess maybe the first thing I'll, I'll, I'll posit to you is with what's happened to you, how are you, how are you dealing with it right now? Like, so you just had all these books just taken out from under you. So those are, those are profit streams for you. That's how you make maybe a, I don't know how, how much a percentage of say your, your income comes from these books that were banned, but it's not insignificant. It's something. So what are you doing right now to, I guess, combat this or to, to deal with this, this banning? So the first thing I had going for me before Amazon's actions is the mindset that, hey, I can be banned from anywhere. I've, you know, I have a, a 
file on my computer all the companies I've been banned from. I'll just give you a couple. I've been banned from PayPal, Coinbase, Authorize, um, Shopify, uh, Discus, and Google AdSense. And you th- and you think I'm some kind of Russian scammer doing some, you know, having a hundred different mobile phones trying to scam people and steal, but it's not. It's the nature of the content that I put out there. So I already knew, you know, I have a rule that I live by. If they can ban you, they will. If they can ban, if they can hit that delete button, chances are on a long enough timeline, if you're me, they will. So I knew that Amazon one day could do this. So you know, there's many different places to get paperback books from. I already sell ebooks direct, but there's only one Amazon. There's only one platform that accounts for over 50% of the books sold in the USA. So you can't, there's a point where you can get banned from one credit card processing company and you can go to another one. But if you get banned from a Facebook, from an Amazon, there's no alternative. So you're really going to have to think, how can I readjust? You know, how can I continue business? Because now when you get banned from one of these big dogs, you're basically operating business on hard mode. So you have to be a little bit sharper than the average guy who just can come in and use all these platforms without any threat of getting banned. So you can't always make up for the lost income. You know, so, so what you can do is, though, compensate a bit. So I can sell direct paperback books, but of course, that's going to take more time. It's not going to be as easy as a plug and play system that Amazon gives. But as long as you're really committed to the business, and for me, my business is me. It's a part of me. It's not something that I just did some market research and decided this is what I'm going to sell. So the more committed you are to your business, the more likely this will be painful. It will be a very ugly pothole that you're driving over, but you'll find a way. You'll find a way to go around that. The only issue is if you're not that committed to your business, if it's not something you truly believe in, if a company like Amazon um, cuts you down, then you're pro- that's probably going to be all she wrote. So the best advice really is you can't predict this. You, you uh, can't, there's nothing you can do that, okay, if Amazon bans me the next day, I got a system ready to go. It's not going to be like that. But the best way to deal with it is to have the belief that, hey, this could actually happen. And two, be involved in businesses that you really care about, businesses that you believe can survive after PayPal, after Amazon, and after all these other companies that are really developing a monopoly within the specific sector that they deal with. Yeah, and I'm I'm genuinely uh, I'm genuinely worried about the state of censorship, and and how well, and how the state censors or or and it's not even the state, but it's the state allows this uh, because these these companies have these uh, monopolies. These platforms are monopolies, complete monopolies. Um, it's like where what what's the what's the Amazon equivalent competitor? It's like it doesn't exist, um, and so to get pushed off a platform like that without explanation. It's just, it's wild to me. And I, I do think it goes back to what you're saying. It's like, you know, be in it seriously, commit to it. I also think like it's, it's all about, you know, being prepared, or as you mentioned, prepared for maybe this being, in, being inevitable. And I think, you know, coming back to an earlier point you made, it's like, yeah, you might be doing stuff that maybe is more extreme or on, on the edge, we'll say, but it's like the way I'm viewing, what I'm looking at from the outside and seeing this stuff happen over the last couple of years and getting really kind of aggressive in the last year 
is kind of the this like circus court public opinion that crucifies people and then like destroys them and deplatforms them. And it's happening over and over and over again. It seems to be, and it, maybe you could say the first couple of people who are like really fringe and extreme, but it's it's getting less and less extreme. And it's and 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 even that doesn't justify it, I don't think. But you know, it's it's weird. It's just, and it seems like a lot of people are just kind of like not they're well, not doing anything about it, but like just kind of letting it happen or being okay with it. What are your thoughts on this? One thing I notice is that when a company can start banning people without an explanation, when they can start banning people without speaking to the person on the phone and explaining like a human being why we cannot serve you anymore, this means they have achieved a lot of power. And you know, power corrupts. When someone who works at Amazon or Facebook can, with a click of a button, change the livelihood of people. You know, those people are, the people who work at these companies, they are flawed human beings too. They are insecure. Maybe they want to feel powerful. So once these companies can shut you down without an explanation, then they're going to shut a lot of people down. Since I got banned on Amazon, a lot of Amazon sellers, not writers, people who sell, people who use Amazon's fulfillment service have been contacting me saying this is a huge problem. Amazon has banned us. They say we try to scam them. We try to write fake reviews, but really it was our competitors writing fake reviews on our products that got us banned and Amazon doesn't care. So this is not... I am the one, if I get banned, it's in the news, a lot of people here, but there's a lot of small guys too that really haven't done anything wrong. There's nothing with wrong with their content, but they ran afoul with the algorithms or the platform in some way. Maybe, you know, it used to be in PayPal, if you were traveling and you logged in from another country, they could lock your account for 30 days or more and you can't withdraw your money during that time. So it's not only the scoundrels such as me, let's say, that are getting banned. It's a lot of people, but you only hear it when I get banned. And like you said, a lot of people, they're not doing anything. One, because they don't think it's going to happen to them. They are pretty comfortable in their business relationships with these big tech sites. They think, well, I'm not breaking the rules and I'm not a you know, really controversial figure like Roosh is. They're not going to ban me. But you know, I'm not saying people should speak out on my behalf, but they're as time goes on, basically, I get banned today, but you tomorrow. And so if you make it harder for me to get banned, then it's going to be much harder for you to get banned. So this is coming hot off the heels of Alex Jones being banned as well. And he was removed from YouTube, Facebook, I think, Twitter recently, all within the span of a week. I think actually many of these uh, on the same day. And it was with no explanation given that I recall. And it was just, a, he broke some sort of guidelines, uh, platform guidelines or something like that. Kind of kind of your situation where it's like, oh, you broke one of our guidelines, but we're not going to tell you which one. And we're not going to work with you to try to fix that. So that got some big press and is making some rounds right now. Although I feel like the mainstream press doesn't really want to cover it. Now this is happening to you, another big name case. I'm just wondering if you or Alex or any anyone else that's going through this, if there's any personal recourse, like can you sue? Could you bring, could you file a suit that you have, you know, the right to use 
a platform like this uh, in terms of like it being, say, maybe a, a space for free speech, if something like Twitter says, you know, it's a platform for free speech, is there something you could do here through the court system personally? I've talked to a f- couple of lawyers, and if you want to sue a company such as Amazon, uh, YouTube, which is owned by Google, you're talking if that loss, if they don't give in to you and make a settlement quickly, which they haven't been doing, you're talking a minimum legal f- um, fee of $100,000. If you want to sue a company such, such as Amazon, a trillion dollar company, easily $250,000. I think the average man cannot afford that. He could crowdfund, yes, but now his life becomes the lawsuit. So suing a monopoly uh, is not, I don't think is going to help that much. If you win, it's great. But the years it takes to bring that case to trial and settlement, you could have made other products. I could have written other books. You know, I just want to write books. I don't want to sue anyone. And as for what can be done, a lot of people, especially on the right, the more conservative people, they have been complaining about this, but the complaints, they're not doing anything. So then I don't trust the government to solve to solve problems. I think whatever the government gets involved in usually goes bad, is filled with incompetency and overrun expenses. But if the government doesn't break up some of these natural tech monopolies, they're just going to crush the little guy one at a time. And as far as Alex Jones, he has a multi-million dollar publishing empire. He has radio, video, he sells supplements. If they can shut him down and get away with it, and they had congressional hearings about a week after they shut him down, all these tech company CEOs got away scot-free. If they can shut him down and get away with it, no one is safe. And you see, they so they took nine out of 19 books of mine and nothing is going to happen. No congressman is speaking out against it. So really now the little guy, the businessman, has to navigate this climate. Like, how can I strengthen my business as much as possible so that in case I get shut down, I can keep going? Yeah, maybe it is going to be a speed bump and my income is going to come down. But we may have to go back to the days of when MC Hammer was selling CDs out of the trunk of his of of his car. I have jokingly said that I'm going to pack a thousand copies of game in my car and drive around the USA. But you know what? I may have to do that if these shutdowns keep on coming because we have no other choice after that. Yeah. And, but, and it's, it sounds part of it is almost like comical to think about that. And then you realize, wait a second, that actually could, could be a reality. And so that's maybe more offensive, right? It's like, wait a second, that I, I might laugh thinking about that. And then wait a second, if that is actually where some people are forced to do that, because not because any, well, I think what's interesting about this is the banning is number one, no explanation. Number two, like, I think if you just kind of look at kind of the facts of the matter, like you had books that were selling for a long time, they were just gone. You had a book that you just recently released, got a lot of sales and they took that off. So it's not like you broke a law. It's not like there was something that you did that was illegal you were just removed. And I think that's the, that's the part that people, I think, uh, don't get is they'll look at something and be like, well, you know, maybe this person's doing something really extreme. It's like, but if no laws were broken, these platforms, do they have the right to censor ideas? Even if you don't like the idea. And, and, and I haven't read your books, Roosh. I, I, I mentioned that to you earlier. I'm curious talking to you because of what happened to you. So that, to me, it's just irrelevant of what the content is. It's, it's a conversation about are we allowed to share ideas even if those ideas are offensive? 
And I'm just, I'm baffled that this is a, a thing that's happening right now. You know, in a way, I wish I broke the law because then there would be an actual trial. There would be a judge. I can present my case to someone who is a little bit impartial or has justice in his mind. I can say, this is why I believe I shouldn't be banned. They can give their case and have someone impartial decide on it. But in this case, but when Amazon bans, bans my books, there is no trial at all. It's a dictate from from a king that's saying, you off with your head. I don't even want to hear your excuse of why you shouldn't be killed. So really, you know, if if we were able to appeal, if there was a way to appeal to someone in the company, then, okay, that's something that we could consider. But in most of these cases, at least in all the companies I was banned from because of my uh, content. They give you no right to appeal. And in some cases, they email you from an address that says no reply at company.com. Like they don't even want to hear from you. So that's one thing that makes it even more unfair. And then some people will say, well, Amazon and Facebook, they're a private company. They're allowed to do whatever, uh, they're allowed to have whatever content they want. They're a private company that has created monopolies. There is no alternative. And, if, and these are private companies built on taxpayer money. How would Amazon ship its products without the interstate highway system? How would they do it without the U.S. Postal Service? How would they do it without the internet, which was created by DARPA? So these are private companies built on the private infrastructure that developed monopolies where you can't go to an alternative. It's not like you go to a baker and the baker says, I can't make your cake. And then there's no other bakers in your entire town. Thankfully, in your city, I'm sure there's dozens of them. You can just go a mile down the road and get another cake. But here with Amazon, there is no other, there is no other Amazon. I mean, you can't build your own Amazon. You can't build your own internet. So this is why I'm not sold on the it's a private company excuse. Yeah, it's a private company that is a monopoly. So when these companies have that much power, and it's in fact, once their monopoly status is cemented, do you start to do, do you start to see them do some unfair things? Because like I mentioned earlier, having absolute power corrupts. And I think that's what we're seeing with some of these tech companies. I wanted to ask you, because I think I'd be remiss not to bring it up. When I searched, when I, I heard this, I started reading through your Twitter, checking it out. I started searching for more information. When I search your name, there's a ton of content that comes up that, that claims that you are a rape apologist. I'm on this thing and I'm, I'm on Huffington Post. I should, I should make a disclaimer that I'm actually on Huffington post right now. And it says, Amazon removes, this is what I searched when I said, uh, search Roosh uh, banned. Was Amazon removes nine books by notorious rape apologist Roosh. So what is this? What are these claims? Those claims started in 2011 when there's a organization in the United States called the Southern Poverty Law S Center. They did a list saying the misogynist hate list and they put me on it where these men they hate women they want to see them in the kitchen cooking sandwiches and it was a mild list they didn't come after me hard but since i got on that list it's been bad news after bad news the media has been combing through everything i write so they would find a story where i admit 
that, okay, I slept with a girl and she had a few drinks. I had a few drinks, but because she had a few drinks, she didn't give consent. So Roosh is a rapist. Then I write an article, a satirical article saying, if we legalize rape, which was an obvious satire piece, if we do that, then women will take care of themselves a little bit more. They won't go in the private homes of men they don't know. Then they came out with the articles, oh, Roosh wants to literally legalize rape. So really, these are just they look for any, they comb through the things that you do and they've combed through me. I've written maybe two or 3 million words now. So they find the most offensive 100 out of them and use that to create a fictitious portrait of who I am to justify censoring me, to justify all this. But the thing is this, I'll say this, even if I committed a crime, I murdered someone I, and and then what does that have to do with selling a book on Amazon about dating that features a man and woman sitting under a tree? So to me, it seems like they're coming after me for who I am, not specifically the books I've written, the work I do. So yeah, I mean, if you comb through anyone's life with such a comb, you'll find some things that maybe they said a bad word, maybe they gave a racial epithet when they were in you know, high school or something. So this is the case of them trying to justify it. Now, I'm not a perfect guy, and I've said some crazy things. This is, this is true. But most of it was on my website, which is not connected with Amazon. So have you ever been accused of this? Has anything been brought to you? Have you ever had to go to court for something like this? Is there any validity to this, or is it the court of public opinion? Right. I've never been um, accused of a crime or charged with a crime. There has never been a police investigation. People have called the police on me. It, it, it has actually happened because once the media stories go out, they say he's uh, he's a pro-rape. Actually, the Daily Beast last week called me a pro-rape leader as if I control undercover underground cells of rapists. And it's just really hysterical things. But anyway, so sometimes someone gets scared of me because they read about me in the media. They call the police because they see me somewhere. And then the police come and say, yeah, we got a call about you. (laughs) So what do you want to do? And they run my name through a database and it's fine. So this is, you know, I, I think most people who have their own content business don't deal with the media. But I, I do agree with our president, Donald Trump, that much of the news is fake. And at least for me, I can say that that has been the case. So this is really interesting to me because when I open up multiple articles like this, when I'm searching your name, I don't really see your content pop up first, but these websites like Huffington Post and a bunch of others kind of all exchanging links with one another and being self-referential, if you will. I, it always makes me a little nervous and makes me wonder, am I actually reading something real or is this something that's kind of being fabricated? Because I've seen things be fabricated across multiple channels. And I'll give you an example. You know Jordan Peterson. Uh, oh, yes, I yes. interviewed him recently on my podcast and I think his content is something that like everybody could agree on from any politi- any part of this political spectrum, but he gets so much vitriol from one extreme end of it. And that has permeated some articles across a number of websites, usually not not the biggest ones, maybe, but regardless, it still seems like it spins a narrative that I know because I listen to his content, I listen to his YouTube lectures and his podcast, and I've read his books, I know it's completely fabricated. And when I read those kind of concerted efforts that seem to 
self-reference one another in these articles, and they're not really substantiated, it's a little bit of an echo chamber, and it seems like it's kind of malicious. Like it's being, this box is being built to show someone in a certain light. And now seeing it happen to you, I don't know your content, but it seems like it's happening to you. Now, I don't know. I don't know how deep you want to go. Let's go but deep. People who have okay, people who have cultural and political power, they can't have people opposing them. So they have a way to research who is most effective at hurting us with their ideas, their content. So they m make a list. And they give the names to their partners in the media, in the Silicon Valley companies, in the universities, and so on. And they all, in these low-level workers, a lot of people on the right, the dissidents who have been attacked, call them case workers. They organize on the Slack channels and the chat rooms, and they start... Now, they're no longer a journalist because usually what the journalists used to do, they used to write an article saying Roosh is a bad guy and then get public opinion against him. But now no one reads Huffington Post. No one reads or watches CNN anymore. CNN is only alive because they're forced to put them in all of the airports. So if no one reads Huffington Post and you can go on their timeline in Twitter, no one re retweets them for a company that big to get only 10 retweets on a story is very small. So if no one reads them anymore and they can't sway public opinion like they used to, they have to now take up the role of being an activist. So what these reporters do, they email a company such as Amazon and say, hey, Amazon, we're doing a story on pro-rape leader Roosh V, who has been on all these lists by the Southern Poverty Law Center and has been accused of raping six million women what did you know you still have his books on your platform so this isn't an impartial attempt to get the news this is how this is how the media works when they want to shut you down and you know once it's really yeah you want to get mad at the reporter who's trying to shut you down but they're following orders so you have this real connection it's like it's it's like an old it's some kind of oligarchy that connects all these media outlets and I know some of your listeners are saying Roosh is a conspiracy theorist but until it happens to you you see how the system works behind the scenes well what it does is it makes you not want to speak up and not put your neck out there. That's what they want, yeah. Another thing that I find really interesting about this is because these are private companies, and that's kind of the excuse that a lot of people have been using. These are private companies. They can do what they want, but they are monopolies for sure. And then it also seems like they work in cahoots with one another. It's like a cartel because there's no reason that you'd be banned off of multiple platforms at once because they all have their own terms of service. So when Alex Jones got deplatformed, that was pretty surprising and kind of showed that maybe his conspiracy theories weren't all conspiracy theories. Well, then I'm going to add to it by telling you one day after Amazon banned me, I was banned, all 19 of my books was banned on Kobo Books, which is a Canadian ebook platform. Then the day after that, all 19 of my books was banned from Barnes & Noble. <laughs> so, in, so I was banned from three bookselling platforms in three days. If that's not hinting that there is some organization going on, then what what is it? It's particularly bizarre to me because if you think back 15 or 20 years, the one thing it seemed like everybody could agree on, left, right, center, it doesn't matter, you don't burn books. 
that's what the Nazis did. And we're not like the Nazis. We want to spread information. And yet that's effectively what's happened. And it's effectively state sanctioned because it's being allowed to happen, though it is private corporations that are doing the book burning. But there's obviously a big population of people who are cheering it on. And so it's really just very surprising to me when I look at the landscape and see this happening and see what the reactions are on certain sides of this debate, even though I think there really should be no sides to it. And what we're doing now, we're implicitly allowing companies like Amazon, Google, and Facebook to decide for us what content we can consume. I'm not saying my content deserves a Pulitzer Prize, Nobel Prize. I'm not saying it's high, high brow, but we're allowing now through the banning for Amazon to decide for you, Tom, which books you can read, because guess what? You have a Kindle, you have the Amazon app. And for you, it's a bit too difficult to find some random author on his web store to read his to read his book. When Amazon controls over 50% of the books, when YouTube controls almost all of the digital video, when Facebook controls all of the social, these companies now decide what is allowable or not. This treats everyone like a child who who we have to control what the child can watch and monitor him. Well, I'm not a child. I don't want you, Amazon, to decide what books I can read or Facebook or YouTube. I want to make the decision myself. But when a lot of people right now, they are, especially on the left, they don't mind the censorship of people they, they don't like. So when I got banned, they got very excited. But guess what? Once they eliminate all all this all the scoundrels on the right, such as me, where do they go next? They go to anyone who doesn't have the same opinions as these global top five hundred corp, uh, corporations. So yeah, you're on the left. But your views don't perfectly match the Democratic Party and the next presidential candidate. You're too far left in the Bernie Sanders camp. So then they're going to ban him, too. This is why I will never celebrate anyone getting banned. Even if I hate you and you get banned, I know that it is you today and then I'm going to be next. So never celebrate or me. I don't anyone who gets banned. So there are two things that are particularly fascinating, I think, that you just brought up. One is this idea that we are giving de facto censorship rights to to a cartel of e-commerce companies and online businesses that then control everything that we see or don't see. Because if you search something in Google, but they're coordinating with Amazon, you search for a title, then maybe nothing will show up at all. Maybe you can find a site that would sell it, but you won't find it because the search engine is filtering it out. Or then you go to the main platform for selling books and products, and you won't find it on there because Amazon censored it. And then you won't hear anybody talking about it because Facebook has censored it. And so it only takes maybe about five companies to censor completely, uh, almost effectively, completely erase or eradicate an idea, which is kind of scary. And the other thought is that if we allow it to happen on one side right now, if ideologically these big five companies will say are being controlled by one ideology, if they shift ideologies, all of a sudden it's going to be held to pay for those who disagree, right? So it is one of those things where I think it's short-sighted to cheer on somebody who's being censored on either side of the debate because pretty soon it could be you. 
So look, Tom, if you if you hear me driving around the USA with a U-Haul with thousands of books, don't be don't be shocked. You know, I actually stopped and thought about it. Well, if I travel around the USA for three months, sell say five thousand books, I can make my income for the rest of the year to go and write. We may have to go back to this face-to-face interaction type of business because what the internet does i mean i love what the internet has done it's allowed me to pursue my dream of being a writer to quit my boring laboratory job but it seems to be that they are now starting to control who can do business and who cannot who cannot who can speak and who can well that's not what i signed up for if you told me the day i quit my job as a microbiologist that 10 years later, these companies are going to shut you down one after the other. I just may have, have, have actually stayed there. So the promise of what the internet has given us is now turning into a nightmare when they're censoring us. Not only that, but they're monitoring us too. Google knows everything we're doing. Even if you turn off the location services, I don't know if you heard about this, you turn off the location services in your Android, Google Maps, but they still track you. So these companies are going crazy with power. And when a guy like me gets banned, you start to notice it. And you think to yourself, something is going on. It's not good, but it's not hurting me right now. But then as the years go on, you realize all the content on the internet sucks. Not only that, you can't make money from selling your own content. So it's a drip by drop torture that's going to happen. Well, yeah, I get banned from Amazon. It's not a big a big big deal. But then a couple years, all the content that you can get is now, say, the books on Amazon only features transgender handicapped people, and there's no normal people in them anymore. So this is something that we have to understand. It's changing our culture day by day. So I want to kind of summarize what we've gone over up to this point, which is it seems like this is a free speech debate at its core to a degree, at least partially. And then also a question of who do we give the right to censor to? Is it and should it be in the hands of private companies? Because that's part of the debate here. One side is saying, well, these are private companies and they're allowed to do this. And so we have to ask ourselves, should we give private companies the right to censor? And to what degree? And how should that be adjudicated, if at all? Or is it just whatever they deem is is okay is okay, uh, in spite of the fact that they may be monopolies and there aren't any real competitors? But I really think actually the, the, the critical piece here is the fact that these are private companies that are essentially a cartel controlling ideas and controlling idea flow. And so they're censoring these things together. When you see somebody get deplatformed and removed off of every platform out there all, of, all at once, that's not somebody violating a term of service for a company. That's uh, coordinated. It's very clearly coordinated. It couldn't be any other way. Okay. So I think that's kind of the one major piece of this debate and the conversation we're having that I think is kind of critical that people walk away with this from in, in terms of thinking about this. In spite of what you think of the idea, as much as you might detest it, should we give these individual companies the ability to make censorship decisions for us? And should we allow a private cartel of companies make censorship decisions for us across the board? So my question for you, Roosh, is do you think that there is actually anything that could be done at the individual level? Or is this something that we have to wait and see the government take care of, uh, which I feel like is kind of acquiescing responsibility, but I'm, you mentioned that you can't really sue these companies. Is there anything that can be done? Is there any kind of activism that can take place to ensure the free speech of and free flow of ideas on these platforms? 
Well, first to stop it, it's going to be a little bit difficult unless you are an employee in one of these companies or you work in the Department of Justice and can bring about antitrust legislation or uh, lawsuits. There's not a whole lot you can do. I mean, yeah, don't support the companies that you believe are treating others unfairly. But I don't think I can tell you not to use Amazon. It's hard not to. It's hard not to use a monopoly. It's very difficult. There's a lot of sacrifices you would have to make if I tell you not to do that. So I don't know how reasonable that is. I think we're just having we're just going to have to ride the cultural wave until public opinion turns and people and then they just scream out and say enough is enough and the government has to step in and do something because Amazon is now a trillion dollar company. I don't think individual activism is going to do much now. So in terms of what the business owner can do, you can't stop it from from happening, but you can control how you respond to it. So the number one thing, you should have a savings. You should be able to have savings, a business operating savings, and for your own life too, rent and food for one year, at least one year. You should have something where if the hammer comes on you, you don't have to worry that you're going to pay your next rent payment. Um, I think a lot of people, they live above their means. So me, I live in a frugal way. You know, I save as much as I can. So this, it hurts what what Amazon did, but I'm not out. You know, I don't, I was upset for maybe 12 hours and then I said, okay, it's done. There's no need to panic. I'm still, I still have enough to run the business, to operate my sites. I can pay my rent and get, and get food. But if I'm living month to month and my business is operating on a shoestring in terms of, and I'm not saving much, then if Amazon shuts me down or any other platform does, then I'm screwed. You know, then I wouldn't be talking to you, Tom. I'd be pulling my uh, hair out. So as long as you have a, have a savings for one year or as much as you can, I think one year I can adapt in some way. And I'm thankful I already have a web store that can at least continue operations some, somewhat. But yeah, within a year, can I figure out how to source some more paperback books to sell directly to my followers? I'm sure that I can. So I would say that's really the best thing that you can do. And also, when you do get shut down, be open and honest to to your followers. Tell them this is what is going on. You'll be surprised how much positive advice and feedback that they can give you. A lot of my followers since Amazon banned me, they're telling me all these alternative websites where I can print books, these alternate stores, which again, won't make up for the uh, loss of income that Amazon has done, but at least I can get some of it back and continue doing what I love, which is to write books. Well, it sounds like there's a bit of a hopeful message there then that Each of us as content creators have the ability to build our own platform and to insulate ourselves from this kind of thing happening. Of course, it could still happen to you. Uh, No matter how bland you think your own writing is, maybe someday in the future it will be called, uh, declared too edgy and in need of censorship. So you actually could still be deplatformed from these, these various platforms. And so the first thing and the ultimate thing to do is to build a business that can survive in spite of those. The other thing that I think is kind of a positive note here is that I think 
because of you being deplatformed, I think Alex Jones before you and some other high-profile people being removed from different platforms, that there's at least somewhat uh, or some form of public exposure to this. And some people are seeing this. And there's now a conversation happening kind of around it about this idea of deplatforming people and who should be able to control what people say and who should control the ideas and idea flow and who should, con- who should be able to censor things. Uh, whether it's private companies or otherwise. And so because you guys are getting, you are getting some publicity and Alex Jones and some other high profile characters, I think this debate is at least coming to the forefront. So maybe there is something positive that can be done in terms of ensuring, say, the rights or liberties of the entrepreneur, the creative, the person publishing something and putting it out there, even if it's not a comfortable and normal and mainstream idea. So I think there's some hope here, but I'll leave it at that. I think it was an interesting conversation. I'll let our listeners make up their own mind on this subject And what I want to do, though, is give you the floor. Where can people reach out to find you, connect with you, and learn more about you if they want to check out your content? Sure. So most people, they can find me on my own blog, roosh.v.com. That's R-O-O-S-H-V.com. That's a blog where they can read some of my articles, links to my books, and so on. You can find links to my Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Um, But one thing, Tom, I just want to close this out is just that is that when one door closes, another door opens. I think, I think I, there is a business mindset that you look for for opportunities that didn't exist until something new happened. So yeah, now this I have one door closed, but now the opportunity to maybe get closer with people who follow me by meeting them face to face by doing a tour while selling my books that is something new. And like you said, maybe someone can take this this opportunity to start a website featuring banned books or books that have or content that has been shut down. So, you know, as long as you don't give up, that's the only way they can win is if you just say, you know what, I just give up because Amazon, I can't do business on Amazon or PayPal, they shut me down. This is why it's the best idea is to get involved in businesses or content that you love. If you love it, you're going to love it even more once a big company decides that they don't want to have anything to do with it. It makes you commit to it even more. It makes you feel like, wow, my work that I put my blood and sweat into was attacked by a trillion dollar company. Awesome. So then you just want to keep on going and going. And I think as long as I'm free, as long as I'm alive, I don't see why I would stop putting out work that allows me to connect with other people. Because at the end of the day, if you're doing a business where you're selling content, especially, this is a very social activity. Because when you give content to someone, they respond back to you. This is a conversation. So why would I stop that? So I hope to continue that. And if people want to follow my journey, they can just go to my site at rushvi.com. Well, Roosh, I just want to say it was very interesting and enlightening talking to you about this. I think it's a pertinent topic right now. Obviously, this is something that's happening to people as we speak. And of course, it starts with quote unquote, the fringe, but then where does it go? And so I appreciate you just being honest and upfront with us about what's happened, how you've dealt with it, and your advice for entrepreneurs, creatives, people who are producing stuff online. So thank you for sharing that with us. And I wish you the best of luck in this space in terms of just kind of getting through this and wherever things pan out for you. So good luck with everything. And again, thank you for being on In the Trenches. Okay, great, Tom. And thank you for having me on.